Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Saturday, June 10th. And I know that you guys are really concerned about what's going to go on at the Federal Reserve meeting next week. I know it's keeping you up at night. I joke. I know that you don't really pay attention to a lot of that stuff, but we do. And today we are airing a snippet of our conversation with Fed watcher extraordinaire, Gina Smilik. Now, Gina writes for the New York Times. She writes about the Federal Reserve and the economy, and she's amazing. Also, in her spare time, what has she done? She's written a book um, about the Federal Reserve, and it's a great book because it essentially was so well positioned as the Silicon Valley bank and small bank crisis was emerging. I do think that this book is is really a good way to understand what the Fed does. So the name of the book is Limitless. The Federal Reserve takes on a new age of crisis. And the author is Gina Smilik. This is an interview that we conducted in the spring after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and had failed. And What was so instructive about this conversation was Gina's real insight into the operations of the Federal Reserve and also what their policies mean to you and me. So if you want to watch the full interview, the webinar part of that, the video interview, you will have to subscribe to our brand new service called Jill on Money Live. But this is a snippet. It gives you a little taste. But if you are part of Jill on Money Live, you can watch the whole interview as well as our interview with Ed Slot and our interview with Mike Quincy of Consumer Reports. You'll have access to these live webinars and also this special bonus content. Today with Gina, we are really honing in on whether the Federal Reserve was just too late in starting their interest rate hike campaign. So here is our interview, part one, with Gina Smilek. 2008-2009, big inflection point. Fed comes in, also like Congress kind of sitting on their asses, not really doing quite enough. And Fed comes in and buys bonds and keeps interest rates really low. And then, as you said, in 2020, you know, kind of all points bulletin, like, oh my God, the economy is frozen shut. 
we're shutting things down. We're going to have to flood this end zone with liquidity. We're going to have to cut rates. We're going to have to buy bonds and all that. Okay. At what point, let's moving forward, should the Fed's focus shifted more towards inflation? So we have, just check me on my time. It's the spring of 21 when Larry Summers is like, hey, it's time to deal with inflation. And that is also still when Jerome Powell is saying, transient, prices are high, this stinks, but we're cool. Looking back, were there people shouting in Powell's ear who worked for him who were saying like, hey, we don't think it's temporary? You know, I think if you talk to people at the Fed, I think there was a concern that inflation was going to start taking off or that inflation was meaningfully taking off starting at the end of the summer of 2021. So Larry Summers, you are correct, in early 2021 started warning about inflation, but that was very much based on a forecast. He was basically saying, look, the response to the pandemic, the stimulus package that has just passed is too big for the job. And we are going to cause inflation because it's too big for the job. That probably was still a little too squidgy for the Fed to react policy-wise with because it was a pretty tenuous forecast. But I think what you will hear people within the Fed system say is that by the end of that summer, it was pretty clear that inflation wasn't all just a blip, that there was something more fundamental going on. We had not just seen a jump up in, in goods prices, which you know we all know that story. There, was, there were shortages, there were factory shutdowns, there was high demand for cars, et cetera. But we had also started to see an increase in wages and services inflation, and those things tend to be a little stickier. And so people started getting pretty worried. But then it took the Fed a while to pivot. It took them a while to move away from sort of like foot on the gas, help this economy grow mode and into foot on the brake, slow this economy down mode. And, you know, we probably lost, you know, maybe five, maybe six months in there where they could have been moving a little bit more aggressively. And I think that the question is, you know, would that have mattered much in the grand scheme of things? But they're still buying bonds into this period. That's the part that was always flummoxing to me. Why not stop at that point? I, I don't I still don't quite get like what was the reasoning they give you? Yeah, I think they had really backed themselves into a corner is the long and short answer of it. They had basically promised that they were going to continue buying bonds and keep interest rates low for a really long time until inflation was higher and the job market was fully healed. And so they got into this really tough position where they had promised something and markets had come to expect that thing. And if they just changed course immediately as they started to get nervous, there was a real challenge that they were going to really disrupt the markets. They were really very worried about that. And there's some precedent for that. Like your listeners may well remember the taper tantrum which is a nerdy word for the time that Ben Bernanke back in the 2010s absolutely freaked out the bond markets globally and caused huge dislocations in a bunch of different markets because he suggested that the Fed was going to pull back on bond purchases earlier than previously expected. And so we know that these things could be really disruptive to markets. I think the Fed was nervous about causing some sort of like disorderly disruption to markets. The Fed doesn't care necessarily if markets go down, but it doesn't want to cause a financial crisis. If you want to see more and that entire interview with Gina Smilik, all you need to do is go to JillOnMoney.com and subscribe to Jill on Money Live, and you will be able to see that and lots of other great stuff. Don't forget that at this program, we are trying to take the mystery out of your financial life. And the way we do that is we encourage you to ask us questions. So while you're on the website, once you've actually subscribed to Jill on Money Live, hit the Contact Us button and ask us your financial question. 
We would be delighted to have you on the air with us, or we'll do it as an email. Don't forget, if possible, we like to end the show with the same kind of message here, which is try to do something nice for someone else today. Someone else needs a boost, and you providing that boost, it's going to make that person feel good. It's going to make you feel great. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students.